0: Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 166. My name is John Morgan, cold coffee, well, cold coffee's not with me right now. He is not because he is in Utica, New York. He is on the road, keeping the roadshow going for UFC Fight Night 131. Rivera versus Mariah's fantastic fight card. It really is. I know it's, uh, you know, under the radar a little bit, but it's a fantastic fight card. Starting with that main event, Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon marias, So we'll get into all that and uh, find out what the scene is like in Utica, New York, from uh, from cold coffee in just a little bit. Me, I am at home in Las Vegas. Bizarre feeling. My my uh, my wife and my son are, are in Mexico, so they're. Visiting family down there and getting a little getting a little Spanish practice for the little man, all that. So I'm here in Las Vegas by myself. It's a bizarre feeling, I'm telling you that. So uh Yeah. Just sitting here in the house by myself, sipping on a frosty beverage like you do on a Thursday night, getting ready for the MMA Road Show. Happy to be home. I'll say this. It was a long journey home. Of course everybody's still talking about USC Fight Night one thirty. Darren Till versus Wonder Boy Thompson. People still debating how the you know how the how the fight should have been scored and what mattered and of course the the weight stuff and all that man did you see the video? Hopefully by now you've seen the video. If you haven't, press pause and and go find it. You know we did a story. Um, it's uh, if you want to Google it, it's video. Darren Till lost vision while attempting to cut 11 pounds ahead of UFC Liverpool, um, but this video is, is everywhere and rightfully so. It's a little bit interesting. Uh, Paddy Power, of course, they're the European odds makers over there. That, that uh, you know, they they were the one that got the viral video going with uh, with Floyd Mayweather. Remember, he had the, the he stepped in the cage and said, "What are the odds?" And of course, that went viral. Um, and, and and I think you know, I don't know if they're necessarily looking for the same viral-type clip, but they did a behind-the-scenes series all week long, and this was the fifth and and final episode of it, behind the scenes with Darren Till at USC Liverpool. And it shows Darren Till's weight cut. And i got to say, it's brutal, man. It is brutal to watch. I'm surprised they put it out. I I really am. You know, I don't know if if Darren Till had any editorial say-so over whether or not this stuff would would, uh, hit the open market. Obviously, the UFC didn't because they sure as hell don't like uh, people seeing stuff like this. And, and I imagine that you know behind the scenes they might have a little talk with Darren Till and his folks, uh, and just say, listen, you know this is not the kind of footage we want out there, and rightfully so. I will tell you what, if I was running a fight promotion, I wouldn't want it out either. Uh, it, it is rough, man. It is it's the it's the final hours of Darren Till's weight cuts. He, he has about uh, five kilos to cut. It says beginning at 6 p.m. Uh, the night before the weigh-ins. That's about 11 pounds. So not. You know, incredibly abnormal, but we don't know where he started, and we don't know how far along the weight process he was at that point. I mean, he was definitely still sweating. Uh, it's funny because, you know, right before he started his weight cut, his final weight cut, I saw him in the lobby of the host hotel. Uh, we were leaving uh, to go, to go. you know, I think we had filed our, our stuff because the internet was better there. and I, I guess we were going to get ready for what uh, would have been um, – well, no, it wasn't the soccer game, so it would have been. I don't know. We're going somewhere, I guess, just to keep working and what have you. But I ran into him in the lobby and just said, "Hey, you know, hey, how much, how much further you got to go?" And he was in real good spirits at that point, you know, and said, "Ah, just a couple kilos, nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary." And uh, you know, looked to be in, in in fine spirits, and um, and and then all this happened. And, and again, if you haven't seen it, you definitely deserve to see it. It's disturbing. It really is. It's disturbing to see it. But oh, the funny thing was about me seeing him. Um, I asked him, you know, do you just kind of what do, you, what do you go do? You know, what's your process or whatever? And he actually said that uh, he just likes to run. He likes to put on plastics and he likes to run. He actually says he doesn't like to do the sauna. But then this clip uh, shows him doing the sauna. So, you know, whether or not he was just trying to sell me or whether that showed that maybe things were going a little bit wrong, um, you know, just a couple hours before this, he had told me that, that he doesn't really like to use the sauna. Um, but here he is in the sauna, you know, on the ground, um, crawling to, to open the door. I mean, the bad thing about this, I guess, is that, you know, it's not an isolated. More is going to be made of it, of course, because he missed weight. And, and I guess that's all I can think is that his team thinks, well, at least if we show the world that we tried, that we worked our ass off to do this, that, you know, the, that we didn't just give up. I could see that. I, I guess maybe that's what they were trying to show here. But it's disturbing, man. It's hard to watch. And it's, you know, Darren Till's not the only one out there doing this. I mean, this this is not terribly atypical of, of of a lot of weight cuts unfortunately um, but I, but i do think it is a stark reminder and i think it's good maybe that we see it uh, to get that reminder of 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 how dangerous what this part of the sport is i don't know the solution i i don't know the fix i've been covering the sport forever and i've heard a lot of people talk about it and, and i hear you know added weight classes but, you know, if you do added weight classes, you know, you, guys that make 170 now, they're like, oh, I, I make 170, I can make 165. That's the problem with adding weight classes. It seems like a fix, and it's not necessarily fixed. It gives guys an opportunity to think, you know what, I can cut a little bit further. That's that's what's it's scary there. The same-day weigh-ins like they do in wrestling, that seems to be a little bit more helpful. Um, But, you know, I guess there's no real proof that that, that people um, aren't going to cut at that. And then we know... You know, the, in wrestling, it's tough, but in, in MMA, we, we know that the dehydration and head strikes don't go well together. That that's that's that causes more problems. You want that brain to be as hydrated uh, and have as much fluid as possible. That's that's what helps with the safety. Um, it helps you know lessen the likelihood of concussions. Um, and if you do those same day weigh ins, there's nothing stopping guys who are already in the culture of weight cutting from from cutting to there. People are trying. You know, California is trying, uh, and I think progress will continue to be made. Again, I haven't heard the the silver bullet yet. You know, the one where you're just like, "That's it, that's the fix." You know, maybe this 10-point fran- plan from California is is beneficial. Uh, but but go watch this. Just go watch this, and don't I don't want it to necessarily be uh, picking on Darren Till because this is not atypical, and I think that's what matters. Um, I do wish Patty Power would have shown more. Hey, we talked about it last week. Hopefully, you caught 165 and a half. Hopefully, you didn't. If you, if you didn't, hey, you still got time to listen to that, too. Um, but, you know, I, I was kind of debating on, on whether more details on the family emergency that precluded Till from cutting weight for several hours would have been beneficial. Um, the Patty Power video doesn't uh, d- discuss that at all either. So, still no more details there. But, um, yeah go watch this uh I, I think you should go watch this video if you haven't seen it already it's it's eye opening and, and it's not just Darren Till i mean this is what these guys and gals are going through and uh it it doesn't it doesn't make sense to just deplete yourself this way i mean to watch Darren Till hitting mitts and it's like he's i mean he looks like an, an amateur at it hitting mitts and then he he, he 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 you know summons up the power to throw a hard left and everybody cheers a little bit and yeah man it's tough to watch it's tough to watch anyway more fallout from USC Liverpool Darren Till uh deserves deserves listen to to be ranked I know there's a lot of talk about you know what how do you move up the welterweight rankings when you when you didn't make welterweight, you know the the UFC.com rankings certainly took uh, some some criticism for that. And um, listen, we responded the same way. If you look again, uh, gorgeous George Garcia handles uh, our rankings, and then we kind of chime in as well. But I didn't really have an issue with it. Now we don't have uh, we don't we don't have Darren Till at number two, like I believe the UFC does. We actually have uh, Darren Till at number five. Now, of course, we also have Bellator in there. Um, so we have Tyron Woodley at one, Rory McDonald at two, Colby Covington at three, Rafael dos Santos at four. Darren Till at 5, and Steven Wonderboy Thompson at 6. Um, Lawler at 7, Usman at 8, Maya at 9, and Douglas Lima at 10, if you just want to round out the top 10. Uh, Magny all the way up to number 12 now. So, um, you know, some some interesting discussions to be had in that division for sure. I think it'll keep shaking out over the next couple weeks and months. Of course, USC 225 got the interim title belt on the line. But continued fallout for Darren Till. I, listen, I, I do believe in Darren Till's skill. I do believe that uh, he's marketable as well and uh i believe he'll move past this. uh I, I believe this will not define his career, define uh you know who he is as a fighter, but um certainly an inter- an interesting watch to uh, to say the least. Uh <laughs> i i was saying i'm glad to be home because i'll tell you what man, uh that journey home from liverpool was freaking ridiculous. Uh four trains and a subway and uh, and three planes as well. the sad thing is, I have nobody to blame but myself. I did it to myself. I book, I, you know, I book my own travel, but I'm trying to save money for the company. You guys that listen know that the the bean counters are all over us, man. They're 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 trying to trim down the travel, so I'm trying to stretch a buck if I can. You know, maybe get another trip out of it. But dude, at 40 years old, man, I'm I'm uh, I'm getting too old for that. Uh, oh man, I was just exhausted. It was about 26 hours door to door. Uh, all the way for all the travel. I was just done by the time I got done with it. You know, just wrapped up 165 and a half and then just headed right out. I will say big thanks to Simon Head. It just worked out um, that even though my my train journey was as crappy as it was, um, it was the best possible one in terms of early arrival to where he was going as well. Uh, So I did have Simon Head with me uh, all the way until the last train stop to the airport. So that was kind of cool to, A, have somebody there to – to, to keep uh you know your attention up to make make sure you're waking up at the right place to to change for the trains to to navigate the train stations, uh with no problem that was good to, you know have somebody there uh, making sure the decisions I was making on where to go were the right ones and uh, to fend off we did we did get put on some late night trains with some fairly rowdy uh, soccer fans or football fans if you will that were uh basically just hammered and uh looking to to mess with people a little bit so. Uh you know, it was nice to have, some, have, have somebody have my back there. So it was good hanging out with Simon Head for a few hours uh, and then finally made it home. Uh, and then from there it was uh, seeing my wife and son off to Mexico where, where they will be until after International Fight Week. So we'll sneak out around a little bit on, uh, on Thursday night since I don't have a – we have a deadline when I'm at home anymore I don't have much of a schedule so maybe we'll maybe we'll try to sneak out and do some on location stuff when cold coffee makes it back into town but uh, once we did get everything set up we did get to go by the uh, the USC performance Institute the, the the PR team they're starting to use the PI a little bit more uh, and I love it absolutely love it you know fighters are in Vegas um, let's use that space let's you know let's let's go talk to them there uh, I've, I've been begging the USC team to, to help do more of that. Um and, and I, I want to keep working toward that. You know, if guys are here for a week or two weeks, let's sneak in an interview with them while they're there. Let's you know, let's find out what you know why they decided to come to Vegas. What's going on with their career? You know, just little quick updates. You know, there's five, six hundred people on the USC roster. If we can snag one here, or there, while they're in town, you know, one that we don't normally see all the time. You know, let's just get a five-minute update on you know what their career is at, where they've been going, what they want to do next, all those, all those good things. So, um, you know, still working with the USC team on that. Hopefully, we can keep making progress there. But uh, we did get a chance to go and, and we spoke to Claude Gigadella, uh, Joseph Benavides, and Dan Edge. Uh, all those, if you want to see the full interviews, are up on YouTube. Uh, we'll also have some stories on MMA Junkie as well, but the full ones up there. But I wanted to share the interview with uh, Joseph Benavides because. Uh, so so uh, a lot of important stuff talked about here. You know, his own recovery, um, what he thinks of the flyweight division in his absence, and, um, you know, kind of where he thinks he, he goes from here. Uh, you'll, you'll hear some other voices, of course. I'm there. Brett Okamoto from ESPN is there. Uh, Adam Hill was there. Scott Pierce was in there. You know, this was the, the local crew here in, uh, in in Las Vegas. So it's was a little bit of a scrum interview. But, uh, I, you know, I just uh, Joseph Benavides is involved in a big fight at USC 225. Damn card is so loaded. I mean, he's down there on Fight Pass. He talks about that. He ain't exactly happy about it, but I'll let him share that with you. But USC 225 next week in Chicago, what a freaking amazing card this is going to be. Uh, myself and Cole Coffee are going out there on Tuesday. Of course, Matt Erickson lives in the area as well. He'll be there. Uh, Mr. Dan Stubb is actually going to be in the area. I don't know how much of the of the card he'll actually get to in the, in the pre-fight activities and all that stuff. We'll, we'll find out about that, uh, but I know he's going to be out there too, so... Maybe at the very least we can all get together for a frosty beverage or something. But anyway, listen, I uh, I wanted to share this before we get uh, Mister Cold Coffee to check in from New York. I figured that uh, hey, why don't we hear from Joseph Benavides? Joe, what's the feeling right now to finally be getting back in the cage? I mean, it's uh, it's not too long away at this point. Or 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 are you letting yourself enjoy it at this point? Are you still a little cautious?
1: No, I'm like honestly, the best way. I, I'm just happy, honestly. It's amazing, just. Um, being in this position again, it's been 18 months since I have been, and, you know, it's 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 funny because I'm a veteran, obviously, you know, 34 fights, but I just feel like a kid again in the sport, so I'm, I'm happy in that regard. Like, this time away has done so much for me, like, mentally. Like I said, I'm happy. I'm happy training, happy fighting. I got a whole new group and area and people and atmosphere around me, and that makes for, you know, good energy on my part, just the change in general, like we talked about earlier with the hair even, just little things like that. But, like you do something for so long and it just kind of becomes what you do 11 years, you know? I love fighting, I love training every single day, but I go in there and it's just what I'm doing. I'm not thinking every day how fun it is or how cool it is, just another fight. And having it taken away from you for that long, getting back to it, like I'm happy training, it's so exciting. So, like I said, I have like, kind of like a newcomer, like kid kind of mentality, but I'm obviously like experienced like a veteran. So it's kind of the best of both worlds coming together. And that's really the best way I can describe it. Just excited and, and happy to get in there. And like, once again, just so like grateful I get to do this and excited that like, oh, this is fun to me now.
0: Do you feel like your game has stepped up a notch having a, a reset?
1: Of the- For sure. The game? Yeah. I mean, mentally that's huge just having that like reset and that different perspective I think is is really, really, um, really important. But then as far as my game stepping up physically, I mean, my body rested for 10 months. You know, that's something I needed. I would take a week off at the most after fights and then get right back into it. So my body, my joints, everything's been taking beatings for 11 years, day in, day out. Um, You never forget how to fight. So that's, but my body rested. To be able to perform even better. So yeah, everything just feels way better. And even with the UFC PI, like just the little things, the recovery, the uh, physical therapy every day, having the strength coaches, you know, with my own program, everything, everything feels way better. Um, so physically, yeah, that's, that's a no brainer. Like my body rested for the first time in 11, 12 years. Um, So physically, yeah, my game has definitely stepped up in that regard.
0: It's a pretty positive attitude you've got overall, but, you know, with their low points along the way? I mean, have you been happy this whole time or has it been rough?
1: (laughs) No, not at all. I mean, it's funny because I look back at the kind of the sad moments, which is just after the surgery, just like miserable, um, you know, crying, just depressed, not sleeping, all that kind of stuff that goes with just having a surgery, really just the pain and the uncomfortable of it um and then a little bit mentally you know i got over it pretty quick i think mentally it was just like i'm out of surgery what can i do it really just sucked being helpless so there was really really low points like crying naked with my dog in my lap like that's a pretty you know like sad <laughs> you know, moment. but uh and like waking up my wife because she could hear me because i'd have to sleep downstairs on the couch and you know, to say, "Hey, you know, get your rest. You've been helping me all day, filling up my ice thing, everything." And you know, she could hear me like crying or moaning or whatever from, and she'd have to come down, you know, and just like comfort me, I guess, for the most part. So like those, those are all really like sad and low. But like now, when I look back at it, it was just an experience, and it, those parts went slow. But I look back and like, when was I even injured? I never felt like I was injured. I just. And no one's going to really care that I was injured after I fight. Like this, no one's going to be like, oh, his fight was good, but remember he was injured or something? Like it doesn't matter at all. It's just about getting through it. And that was always my mentality. Just like, you know, just get through this, get to the next fight, because that's all people are going to care about when it's said and done. No one's going to be like, he looked pretty good or he didn't look that good or whatever, but he was out for 18. It's not a thing. It's just an experience you have to get through. So I look back at it now. And yeah, those parts were hard, but um, I think, I guess they just made everything you know that much sweeter
0: did you watch fights along the way I mean were you were you keeping an eye on the division and seeing yeah. how things were happening or was it too hard for you to,
1: to watch and not be able to be no it? I'd always watch I mean that's what kind of kept me going and you know motivated. I watch fights regardless I mean there's enough of them to watch so they're always on um but yeah I would watch it and yeah as far as the division goes I was like that was one positive thing I was looking at I was thinking, I'm sorry, I'm just looking straight, but I, 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 I appreciate all of you guys. Uh, John's hair, Brad's handsome, I mean, you know, not, I mean, sorry, anyway, um, but yeah, I, that was one positive thing. I was like, you know what? If I'm going to be out, maybe there's going to be some crazy like mix up in the division. It's going to be in this totally different upside down state when I get back and like it's actually worse and nothing's changed at all. <laughs> like nothing's changed and if, if anything, it's like the same, the same, like almost worse. So I'm just like, well, here we go. You know, I'm glad I'm back and maybe that will change something, you know, being the number one guy and having seven wins in a row after this fight is what I'm going for. So, but yeah, I watch fights and it's waiting for something cool to happen in the division. Nothing did and you know, so, same as it ever was, I guess, when I get back. Is there
0: a danger then in, in trying to come back and trying to win like three fights at one time and like try to really, you know, just make a splash as you come back instead of just working your way back into being? Yeah, I
1: want to I wanna do some catching up, obviously. Uh, start with this fight with Sergio Pettis in Chicago. And then I'd like to fight again before the end of the year. Um, and then just, you know, keep it like that. I'm not like, let me fight, let me fight. You know, just just the same as I would as a healthy fighter, you know, um, a veteran, just, it's half the year, so I'll fight and then uh, hopefully fight again at the end of the year. I,
0: I, I know you got to a point where you were like, I'm not gonna focus on another fight with Demetrius because it might not be there for me right now, you know, but it's been a while, you know what I mean? The guys the guys dominated everybody. I mean, you know, that you're a fight fan, you know the history of, you know, and two trying to get a third fight, but I mean, do you feel like it's a position now where like, look, this guy's been dominating everybody for so long and it's been so long since we fought, you know maybe it is time to take a look at me again
1: yeah 100 percent. i've always thought that as far as far as skill goes it's not a question it's the number one ranked guy against you know the champion so as far as skill goes there's there's not really a question to me you know if you want to have the two best best uh people fight we're gonna have amazing fights seven times and i think even a fifth fight a uh fight for us is more exciting maybe even more marketable but some of the Fights he's been doing just you know to fill the card to and get and, and him defend his title so i think the thing about our division too is there's not like a big super fight so all we really have is is skill and talent and you know exceptional skill chaining things together in mma um, you know, we have the best ever fighter. So all we really have is skill. So why not let the best two fighters fight? It's not, I understand when sometimes the best fighter doesn't go fight for the title because he's gonna make more money and there's gonna be more pay-per-views and there's a little more marketing involved. But with our fight, with our division, there's not that anyway. So just have the best two people fight, you know, seven wins in a row. I think it'd be hard to deny me after that, especially since he's fought everybody else and I've beat the next guy in line, um, Henry Cejudo.
0: What will get you over the hump to be
2: uh, Demetrius uh, if you fight him again?
1: Um, I don't really think there's a hump to get over. I mean, I think a lot of people forget that you know we had a split decision in our first fight. The second fight, that's all people are going to remember. But that's the sport. You remember the last fight. You remember the last thing. But people don't realize how much of a coincidence that is. I mean, have you ever seen him knock anyone out with one punch besides that time? Have you ever seen me get knocked out with a punch or even hurt? So these things happen in MMA. Like it's, but people just forget that. People forget that, you know, we had a split decision already that I've been taking out every other person in the division as well. So I don't really think there's a hump there is to get as much as just going out there and and performing again and giving him my best. Like the first fight could have gone either way. We both obviously got better since then. So I don't think there's a huge place where he's better than me or anything. He puts things together really good and, you know, I just I need to do the same. Like I have the tools, as everyone says, to beat him. And I think everyone in the division does you know the way they think they can fight is is, is perfect and can beat anybody, but it's about going out there and doing it. So that's all it really takes. Like I have what it takes to beat him. You know, I've showed it in fight with him and other fights as well. So not a big hump as much as just like giving me another chance to go out there and do it. I haven't definitely given him my best fight. There's a ton of things I wouldn't even mention. But I mean, I probably have in a few interviews about that first fight and some things going into it that weren't right. Like I couldn't train for like a month before that fight, but I still took it, you know, um, and then the second one, best I ever felt in my life, but that's not the way the sport works. Like, you can feel as good as you possibly can, and you only have a chance at winning still. You know, so it's not like a like a marathon where when you're running it, if you're running that time, you're going to probably run close around that. No, I can feel good, but it doesn't mean I'm going to fight good. Like, that second fight was the best I ever felt in my life, and that was what happened. He never did it again. It's never happened to me, you know, before or since. So, just the hump i guess is with the people making the decisions i guess to to give me another shot um because i know i'm ready physically and as far as talent goes now you
0: mentioned the division in a way is worse off than when <laughs> you left do you think the ufc snubbing the flyweight division Although i mean we there hasn't been a flyweight on the main card or on any pay-per-views this year so far and uh and and you're on the early prelims of this, Yeah, the punks on the main card. I, I, mean.
1: I mean, just the fact that you asked that answers the question. They're definitely snubbing the flyweights. I mean, I'm the number one. No other person in any division in the UFC with a number one ranking by the name and six wins in a row would be buried on fight pass. Not a main event, not kicking off the card, just buried in fight pass. I mean, you answered your own question. I mean what other theory is there to have besides that they are snubbing us or it's something, you know, personal towards me or the flyweight division. Those are the only real options left because that wouldn't happen to any other person in any other division.
0: What's the most disappointing part about that?
1: Um, It doesn't affect the fight. So it's really hard to be disappointed in that. It's just, you know, you want to be respected by your bosses and obviously like your peers and stuff. So that's more of the disappointing part is just like everything you put in, and then you just almost feel disrespected and, you know, definitely underappreciated. Like you said, it wouldn't happen to anybody else, so you have to feel very disrespected, is that part. No one with six wins in a row and a number one ranking by the name would be there. So just, you know, disrespected, underappreciated in that respect. And um, really just like fans, I feel I, I don't like the fact that. You know, I've gone through a lot just to get to this fight 18 months, um 13 months post surgery. And I've gone through a lot to get there in a lot of my career. I'm doing my job. And with the number one ranking by my name, what I've done in the past, I'm doing my job a lot better than a good percentage of everyone else, right? So it just doesn't make any sense. So I guess another disappointing part is just like I was mentioning, the fans, like they have to. They, don't, they can't just turn on their TV, my family, my friends, everyone that wants to see me. Some people don't have Fight Pass. Some people, honestly, as simple as it sounds, aren't going to log in and put in all their information to get a fight on Fight Pass. I mean, they're just not going to do it. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of disappointing. You know, when you talk to people like, sick, it's on pay-per-view or whatever. And you're like, no, it's on this app called Fight Pass. like, oh, never heard of it. How do I get it? You know, so just little things like that. But the big picture is, you know, just... Um, you know, being uh, underappreciated by the people that should appreciate me.
0: Do you worry at all that that's indicative of their thoughts towards giving you another title shot or it's just the division? Like, it's not you, it's the, the, the division that we don't want to put up I
1: think it. a little of both. I, th- I, I think honestly a little bit of both. I know the division. Like, I know um, it's a little bit because of division, but it makes me think it's because of me as well. And I could just be making that up. But um, just other instances, Um throughout the past have made me think that as well. So, I think it's I think it's a little both.
0: I wonder, you know, when we say it's a division, I and mean obviously this is a problem that we've been talking about for years, but when we say it's a division, are we really saying it's Demetrius? That, um, you know, the champion is so dominant and not marketable. Yeah, but
1: that is, like, as a whole, yeah, it's Demetrius, but everything webs off of that because he is the division. Like, it might be, like, Demetrius and and you know whoever makes the decisions right at the top but it's everyone's fault I take a lot of the blame for that because I I should have been the one to beat him I was the one expected to beat him even when the tournament happened at the very beginning I was kind of like a number one seed or whatever I don't even know if there was seedings I could have made that up but it sounds good Um, (laughs) um, you know so I was kind of expected to win that you know coming from from bantamweight and everything and you know just didn't work out had another chance and screwed that up so it's everybody i mean it's it's everybody in the division and it's easy i think for the masses to look at demetrius because he's kind of the face of the division but like you know who else do you think of when you think of the flyweight division me right and you know i haven't done what i've done to bring the division um, to the forefront either so i i take a lot of blame for that actually like sometimes i just see you know someone saying something about dj or saying something about the division and in my mind i just think like man it's all my, like it's all my fault i could have changed that you know um or made it a little better so I, I take a lot of blame for it but it, it's really everyone no one else has stepped up no one else has beat him no one else has done anything to make a splash so it's a little bit of everyone
0: Welcome back to the M.A. Road Show. That was Joseph Benavidez. Plenty to talk about there. And the man is—I uh, don't know. I guess when you get that that long away, you get to think about some things. He's definitely bringing up some hot topics, but we'll have to save that for another time. Because as promised, it is the man himself, cold coffee all the way from Utica, New York. I, I, I could—I'm surprised we could get you. Did we? Did we? Uh, did we interrupt the uh, the party scene that must be going on there? Just all the social, th- you know, outings and, and just. Uh, you know, the, the stuff that must be going on in the uh, bustling metropolis that is Utica, New York.
3: You know, John, I had, like, four parties lined up for later on, but I I, I put them all on hold so I could take this call. You know, I mean, like, Utica is quite the hotbed of activity. <laughs> um, in fact, wait, wait, wait. There you go. Now I don't know if that we're up talking. Nice. Now we're
0: talking. <laughs>
3: But uh, no, you know it's not as bad as it was uh, mentioned before. This this Denny's that was in this random text that Bilal <laughs> Muhammad put out, I can't even find the damn Denny's. I don't even know where the hell he was talking about. I don't know if he went a little bit further away. I think there's uh, a few miles away. There's like a more of a. I think it might be like a shopping mall or like a shopping center or something, and maybe that's where it is because uh, around the, where the host hotel, which is just a, 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 a stone's throw from where I'm staying. Um, I don't see a Denny's, but there is a, a couple watering holes um, not far from here. My particular hotel, I happen to come in the construction season. <laughs> so the lobby is completely under construction. The bar is non-existent. I guess there's a room on the lower floor in the back of the building where I guess the guy's like sort of set up and has like, beers and bottles of alcohol or something. I, I happen to be saying at the Concom Hotel, which is the production uh, team that puts on the event, and these people can party. These people drink. So they gave me the lowdown that, the, that it was not a good situation uh, in that room. But uh, I didn't want to even try that in, 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 any, in any way because there was this little watering hole that I found across the way called Griffin's Pub, a nice little dive, divey hole in the wall. Which, uh, oddly enough, last night, it was pretty funny, uh, we went in there uh, after the, the hockey game, unfortunately, the the Golden Knights lost last night.
0: Yes, it did. Um,
3: so we all kind of want to drown our sorrows a little bit in this little watering hole. And it, and it was like the gathering of the production team, there were UFC people, lo and behold, and towards the end, like... Jason Perillo and 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 uh, uh, BJ Penn walked in there, so you had the locals that wow. kind of doing the double the double takes, like is 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 that BJ? Is that BJ? And let me tell you that BJ, I think, enjoyed his chili fries that he got because <laughs> the the menu gets the menu gets very limited there at the Griffin Pub late night. Uh, it's it's one of those small little places where at night there's no kitchen staff, so the bartender literally. We'll walk over to the food area, put on those little food gloves (laughs) and make the food. So at the end of the night, the the menu gets pretty, pretty sparse. But uh, besides the Griffin Pub, up the streets, there's one other place called Swifty Pubs. And that place actually has like a decent, uh, decent selection of food. So, you know, those are like actually for around here, like the only there's some pizza places and stuff. But, you know, we found that Swifty's, and it's. It's been like the place we pretty much have just eaten every day, just because there's not much around this area. But at least it's it's pretty good, and it's got a sports bar sort of theme, so we we're able to watch the games and stuff. So there are a few things here, but uh, by no means is it a um, you know bustling bustling uh, metropolis. You know, there's a lot of buildings shut down, a lot of businesses closed up. When me and uh, Fiasco just walked uh, a little bit off the main strip to get to uh, uh, a grocery store, ran through a lot of uh, old neighborhoods. health food
0: there. Were you up on some health food.
3: Oh, of course, there? of course. Well, you know, that's, you know how we do. You know, these twenty-five ounce Bud Lights. You know, and <laughs> and this bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. I'm sure it's healthy somewhere. <laughs> uh, but like a lot of the houses, there are a lot of older houses, big old houses. But a lot of them are just in really, really a sad state of affairs. But you got the the sense that it, maybe at one point this was that was like a uh, a real like important area, maybe like a money area because these houses were huge. But you know, maybe twenty, thirty, or more years has passed and the neighborhoods kind of went to shit. But so it was interesting to kind of walk through that and see that. But a lot of them. Buildings. There's a lot of businesses that were uh, shut down around, so I'm not sure if this is sort of a, a downturn for the area. But um, it, it's it's been interesting. But man, it, it is uh, coming from the airport. It was pretty beautiful. A lot of trees, man. Uh, a lot of green. In in some aspects, it reminded me of some of the uh, um, uh, older cities in in Ohio. You know, some of the mm-hmm. ones that used to be like maybe like uh, mining towns or like uh, where the steel mills were and stuff where, you know, like big commerce, one thing runs the city. And when it, when that happens to feel a lot of times the city sort of fail, you kind of got that feel about like just why there's so much businesses closed down and, and a lot of things run down. But that's interesting. I, I honestly can't can't guess why the UFC tried to come. Well, that in. was going to be my question. Um, I mean,
0: with all that in mind, I mean, this is uh, according to Wikipedia. It's a town of about sixty thousand people. So, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not necessarily close to anything, right? I mean, I, I think we picked the right child for you. We had you fly into Syracuse and drive like an hour. I think I think the other option is maybe to fly into Albany, and it's maybe about the same as well
3: um yeah every everybody did the syracuse route you know some some shape or form through either chicago i heard people go through detroit uh, uh minneapolis but uh, everybody went to syracuse i mean i guess that's the only real logical place that has a lot of uh airports um sending stuff to it and it was crazy like i had some trouble getting here a lot of people for some reason had a bad i had a lot of delays and, and mechanical failures. So just using those old was,
0: planes to get out to Syracuse, I bet.
3: I guess, man, it just felt like his trip was like doomed for, <laughs> for, for a minute. But, uh, well, so but is anybody he talking that. about it?
0: Like, well, I mean, okay, we know that the UFC no. when they when they made the commitment to New York, you remember, you know, Lorenzo, that you know they went before the the state, you know, hall there, and they said, listen, you know, we're not talking about just coming to New York, you know, we're not just talking about uh, Madison Square Garden, you know, we're gonna we're gonna come to these others, and they, and they named a bunch of towns, and, and some of it was kind of upstate New York, but I don't know, that, I mean, this one seems like even even further, you know, they've done a couple of yeah. other ones, but this this one seems kind of wild.
3: It is, and I, I, maybe if if they would have planned that early press conference a little bit better, we could have hear heard what the the senators and and those present um, thought about the situation. Because yeah, when I when I talked to a couple of locals at like the, the old Griffin Pubber on the way, all I could hear was they couldn't believe the ticket prices, you know. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it's so funny! Like they were like, oh, tickets are like sixty and seventy bucks. I'm like you know that's actually pretty cheap compared to where a lot of the tickets are and they're like well that's not cheap here last time i paid 60 or 70 dollars for a ticket i saw Leila ali boxing down and she was fighting i think it was george foreman's daughter and blah 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 i was like oh my gosh this is your frame of reference of what you you know your your sporting culture here is and what you spend sixty dollars so um yeah that's kind of the feel i got i haven't been getting a big buzz i mean i did hear the the other place uh the other swippies telling some of their clients like oh yeah this weekend we're going to be airing you know the, the ufc fights. so they're going to have some things going on there but as for the locals that i chatted with there it nobody was really excited or really even knew what was going on and again in their mind it was you know this expensive product coming to town you know and they're just seeing like they're very set in their ways and maybe just were I don't know it I didn't get the sense of excitement of they were like oh this is great this is a cool first that's happening in our town that's you know, wild I man you'd think if the that, USC was coming to town deal. it would
0: it would kind of own own the a little town like that it would kind of own it you know what I mean
3: well I mean the bars that uh well, the bars but the bars the restaurants that the people are frequenting you could tell they're happy but some of the ones I mean, you could tell they're the the only ones really getting business around here. So, I mean, they're doing steady business, but you could tell the places that they're frequenting by the staff and the clientele that they're getting that quick initial impact from a, a production company, coming to town. So I can tell that, you know, they're getting a small thing, but as for like locals, I just think that, I mean, I just haven't got that sense that they're, they feel like they're a part of something big happening Um that that doors are breaking down, you know, maybe the senators would have spun it a lot differently than what some of these, I mean, this felt like these are, uh, you know, salt of the earth, people, you know, these are, you know, they, they value their dollar. And that's why when they were, you know, you go to a lot of places and especially, I guess we're kind of, you know, we see prices in Vegas. So we, we don't bat an eye, you know, when we hear these dollar amounts, but, you know, I, when I think back to, you know, even in Ohio, a 60 to $70 ticket, that is an expensive ticket, you know. Yeah. Um. But in terms of reference, when you're phrasing it, you know, to a UFC, when you're thinking like 60, 70s, that's nothing for a UFC ticket. But it's a lot of money to ask for a town that you know maybe really doesn't. Fall. I mean, if anything, it's more of a hockey town. There is a hockey team here, and I know they uh, they get excited about hockey. Um. But I think just th- we're this is one of those towns where MMA is not. Uh, just maybe not well known I, there's probably, if, I, if I probably did a Google search I'd probably find there was no MMA gyms anywhere in Hutica you know are or there or somewhere far few and far between the Primor fitness gyms yeah. than an actual like MMA gym but uh, I don't know be surprised I mean I don't know particularly how well tickets are doing. my gut tells me that um, and it's not a big venue my gut tells me that uh, they're probably still maybe halfway. If that, um, for maybe selling out. Ooh, that'd be uh, rough. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for the record, I, uh, I did take a look at it. The the uh, tickets start at $40 to get in, and then you have $50, $60, $75, 90 and then 125 for cage side, which, as you said, that's about the cheapest cage side seat you could ever ask for.
1: Yeah,
3: you're not going to get 120 anywhere. I mean, well, that just goes to show they do the research pretty good when it comes to to pricing out their tickets compared to to the market where they're at, and if you're getting 120 for cage side, I mean, just think about that. That's that's pretty that's pretty nuts.
0: That's pretty light. All right. Uh, well, let's talk about the national interest. I mean, you know, it is it is a hell of a main event. I mean, Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Moriah is a very very important fight. Uh, in the Bantamweight division, I think just a just a damn good fight. I mean, you try to break this thing down, uh, it's a coin flip to me. Uh, but it's not getting a lot of attention overall. I think, you know, it is in the middle of nowhere, so there's not a lot of media there. Um, it is a short five days. It's crazy to have a Sunday fight and then a Friday fight, you know. So it's a very short turnaround from an event that had a lot of attention and a lot of controversy. And then, of course, next week... Is USC 225 in Chicago, which is just this massive car that everybody's already, you know, hyping up and and, and doing interviews. There was a, you know, there's already conference calls, and you know, we talked to some people in Vegas. So, I mean, there's a lot going on around that, all right So it is weird that this that this uh, that this fight is kind of not necessarily getting the attention that it deserves. But I mean, you're there on the ground, giving the idea Jimmy Rivera, Marlon Moraes, a little bit of a grudge match. Uh, definitely uh, an important fight in the bantamweight division. What's um, What's the sense that you're getting around these two men? Are they hyped up? Do they feel disrespected that they're not maybe getting the love? I mean, Jimmy Rivera's from the area to, to a degree, so maybe he's excited about that. I don't know. What's what's your feeling between these two yeah, headliners?
3: It, Jimmy definitely is excited, and he feels he's going to get a pretty good pop from the crowd, and I don't doubt that. But it's weird, you know, all, hearing all this build up, I think it, it's been a while since a lot of it happened. I think there is some animosity there, but I also feel like it's happened so long ago that, I don't really get any sense of real anger fr- from Marlon's side by any means, even though in the face off you seem very intense. But when you talk with him, you know, he doesn't seem really all that fired up about it. You right. know, it just seems like another sort of day at the office. He's already ready to, you know, have the fight and be beyond it. You know, and he said pretty much as much. Um, to to radio and to us, you know, that, you know, once this fight's done, you know, like the beef's done, you know, he he would, if he gets that win, he'll move past this. I think Rivera still, if anybody's holding on to anything, he's sticking to his guns where he kind of felt that, you know, Marlon was getting an unfair push up into the ranks coming in that he shouldn't have. Um, So I think if anything, he has a chip on his shoulder that he wants to prove that all his talk from the get-go was true you know even when you know i was bringing up the fact that you know you you made this quote about how here's a guy coming in from uh the world series or whatever and, he, and he's you know getting these top guys but he hasn't really fought me but i said well you know he's, he's got a couple wins now and he was quick i mean he almost cut me off he was already ready to just dis- <laughs> dismiss those wins and you know pretty much blame as a as a lucky shot and thought the other one was a fluke or it was either a fluke, or he didn't that he didn't agree with the way that it went, or something. I can't remember because let me see what was it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was decision. that knockout.
0: Which oh, I thought you were talking about the Marias knockout over uh, Aljamain.
3: Aljamain, but that's one he said was a fluke. But I think he believed that Dotson Oh, that
0: the Dotson, Dotson Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yep.
3: the Dotson decision was wrong, so he doesn't even he doesn't even see it really as as two wins. He contests that one. So I mean, if anything, he's the one that might be having a little bit more. Um, head games going into it. I don't think Marlon's going to have that as much. Um, but, man, when you see him together, man, like, Jimmy's a big boy. I mean, he is thick compared yes, to Marlon. Uh, uh, you really uh, you kind of forget that until you see him side by side, just how the size difference between the two of them, you know, it kind of made me want to reverse my pick, <laughs> you know, when I saw him. But I, I'm going to kind of stick with my guns and ride it out and whether I'll ride or die, whether I was wrong by picking Marlon or not um seeing jimmy and jimmy is very focused but if anything else with the 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 sort of head games playing a little bit more and he seems to be holding on to it more than marlon um if anything he might that might possibly i'm not that i'm hoping just hoping to keep my pick right that that might affect him more than marlon if he's actually is a little bit more emotional about this fight than marlon but but even today you know they weren't even the, the most heated um face off it. If anything, was uh was it Daniel Tamer? Uh, yeah one of the Tamer brothers. It's Daniel Tamer came out face- and, and basically
0: yeah. just ended up headbutting Julio Ars and just walked <laughs> all over that was crazy.
3: Yeah Julio took it like a man and just smiled and didn't didn't flinch, didn't didn't uh emotionally react back, you know, and I was just like bro, you barely made your weight and just chill. Relax, you're fighting tomorrow. You know, the but Tamer brothers—they
0: got both those they, guys, man. They got—they're little bulldogs, man. I'm—I'm I'm excited to watch both those guys fight.
3: Yeah, I was thinking about that. When was the last time? I mean, I know we've seen Nog brothers fight uh, together. Um, have we ever seen uh, the Diaz brothers? Have they actually fought together on the card for the UFC.
0: No, I don't think they have. I, you I, don't know, think they I, I was trying to think about it, too, because I mean it must not be historical, um, because I think people would be making a bigger deal out of it. Now, I know one of them right. was a late replacement, so maybe that's part of it. I mean, we've seen it a little bit, but it is still pretty damn rare. It's still a pretty cool story. It is
3: pretty rare, yeah. I mean, because even I was trying to think of um, Jim uh, Jim and Dan Miller. Jim and Dan Miller. I think they came close to fighting on a card yeah. once, but I still don't think that they fought together. Um, yeah, it was just crazy, but... I mean, it's a great fight. I think it's been great. I think the only thing really, you know, to go back to why I think there's some lackluster feel about this. You're right, it is a short turnaround, but the last one. But, I mean, what am I just waiting to turn on the TV to watch? I'm ready to watch the NBA Finals tonight. Mm. Last night, I was dying to watch the hockey games in the finals. I mean, this fight card is smack dab in the middles of, of two of the biggest sports in the U.S. finals. You know, I think people just... You know, this is one of those ones where unless it was a huge card, people just don't seem to care right now. It's you know, a fair point. Are, it's NBA mania and NHL mania. Like you go to Vegas right now. If they try to have a UFC card right now in Vegas, there would be people that would that would go or whatever. But right now, the city is so high on the Golden Knights. There's nothing that can touch that right now. People are so pumped up. In fact, I haven't been, well, Grant. I haven't been this excited for a. Uh, a stanley cup in a long time and i think it's brought a lot of excitement back to the game for a lot of people that were just you know even just tuning back in because people want to see how the miracle story ends you know how this so little, you know so i think it's a tough it's a tough tough week to be trying to smash another sport in the middle of um two finals it's yeah. just rough so I mean I definitely think that's a lot to blame, but I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be good. I mean I think that Marlon fight's gonna be good. I think the Gregor Gillespie Vince Ps uh Pichel fight that's a big I think fight. that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, if anything, um that uh, I mean there's a couple of ones that might steal it, but that one could steal steal it for the night as for like just hard action. I mean, that one could be just lights
0: out. I agree, and I'm so, I'm high on Gregor Gillespie, man. I believe he's got a ton of talent, man, and I, I think this is a big test against Vince Michelle, who's you know hits as hard as they come. I, I'm I'm excited for that. I think that's a real meaningful fight as well. But uh, you make a lot of great points, though. I mean, there's just so much competing for attention, and you know, there's no media there to really relay stories, and uh, if there was, I mean, there's so much. There's to compete not one with right local now.
3: media, not one local what? media outlet showed up. That's no crazy. local news at all no local local news at all. I don't know if, if they tried to reach out and they just didn't, but I didn't see any local media outlet at all throughout this week.
0: So is it and basically just, just you just, and you and Jose Youngs from Fanside.
3: That and this this guy that um this uh, young guy for I think when I asked Chelsea I was like who's he with? She said MMA Brazil. I'm like, "Well, that's odd because he's like white Caucasian kid, you know, in the <laughs> middle of Noah, but I think he drove in from somewhere else in New York. And then, like, Camara, uh, I think, is what she said the other site spot was. Interesting. Um, but that besides that, that was it. Wow. Not one local news, and I, I thought for sure we would have saw – Somebody today, so maybe I don't know. Maybe they'll show up on fight night or something. But uh, yeah, I was a little surprised. So that just goes to show that if the local news isn't even isn't even popping up to see a first in their town, that's they just don't seem to give a give a give a care right now. So it's a little interesting. So it's gonna be a um, struggle. But that's all right.
0: Let me uh let me ask you something. You, I was kind of thinking as you were talking about that. I mean, you, you saw a lot of the production people. I know they're still kind of. I mean, everybody's still trying to figure out what's going on with ESPN and the, and the, and the streaming deal, the production deal, and all, all that stuff. Um did did you hear any insight into just kind of what they're expecting to see or what they've heard? Because here's what, what I really wondered about, and I think other people have mentioned it too, but, like, you know, I mean, this has always been a Saturday night property, and it's been kind of weird because we've had a Sunday and a Friday in the last two weeks. But I do wonder if, you know, ESPN, it's not exactly like they're hurting for content on the weekends. I mean, they have so many deals with so many sports leagues, and including, you know, collegiate uh, athletics as well. And I just – I wonder if if there's a possibility that in 2019, you know, the UFC isn't such a Saturday night only commodity, you know, maybe that's only for the 12 pay-per-views, but as far as, you know, the 30 fight cards, you know, maybe we get some more Wednesdays or Tuesdays or Thursdays or whatever, kind of depending on what's going on with other sports.
3: Nope. Uh, Yeah. And I haven't really heard anybody really talk so much about, about that, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're right i mean espn has so many channels they have so much content but they also need a lot of content to keep that running i mean how often have we turned on espn and we see the same sports center show that's been running four times that day you know so i mean they definitely loop some some products stuff around so i think they have some room to definitely add some stuff but you're right i mean with that many shows that's being promised to to their networks um they can really. I mean, they have caravans. They can put it wherever they want. You know, and, they
0: can't have forty-two Saturdays, right? I mean,
3: they they, they no, can't. No, there's no way, especially because you know college season. You get in the football college. I mean, that's college. Yeah. Like you're not going to take college football off for for, and uh, for MMA.
0: And that's what not late like late seeing. late August to December, right? I mean, basically.
3: Yeah, I mean, like it's just not going to happen. There's, I mean, they'll be lucky to do one game maybe during that time. I mean, like it makes sense. And then on, you know, you got Sundays and I don't think uh, ESPN doesn't really do anything with like the NASCAR being, but Sundays, you know, when you get in football season, you got NFL stuff that they're trying to get more involved with, but I mean, I could see something like that, but no, it makes sense that they would be doing a lot more uh, through the week stuff. And if, yeah, and I could see the, the pay-per-views doing, but no, if anything else, I know that there's like inner questions within like, whether you know things might change for like the production companies use like so i mentioned TomTom Tom earlier you know this is the the house that's been doing uh the events for forever practically yeah. i mean the guys that are calling the shows the guys that are switching it the guys that are staffing the guys that are shooting around the octagon the guys that um put are building the ring the octagon all doing all the stuff behind the scenes to make the show happen um ESPN has its own people and they have their own thing. So you never know if on their events, if they might switch that up. I mean, there's some talk that some of the guys internally think that that might be some changes. You know, there's, you know, some talk that think that maybe that the production within the UFC might change a little bit. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys on the, on the inside think that no, that they, that no, nothing's going to change. But I mean, when a bulk of your shows are all catered towards one network, they don't need a bunch of advertising for on their network when they have so many other shows True. to advertise for. So if you have a ton of guys that just crank out promos, yeah, they could take your promos and you can run it onto maybe the website and do whatever. But if it's going to the ESPN Plus and they already have to advertise for a bazillion other events going on. They don't need as many stuff. And ESPN has their own people to do a lot of that stuff as well. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out.
0: Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of moving it definitely parts.
3: Definitely seems like there's going to be some changes. Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be. I mean, it's a, it's a big big deal. I mean, I still think it's going to sort of shake its way out. But I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting to see. So.
0: I'm anxious to see. Yeah, it's it's going to take some time. I think. I and and, and to be honest with you, I mean, there's probably details that the UFC doesn't even know yet. You know what I mean? They're still probably trying yeah. to figure that out, but. It will be interesting to see how it shakes out. All right, let's talk about, uh, let's see, we talked about the main and the co-main. Uh, the Tamer brothers on there. I think those – this card is actually – I mean, there's not many fights on here where you just go, eh. I mean, I think there's there's stuff to talk about with all of them. I mean, Jake Ellenberger versus Ben Saunders, that's a, a great fight between veterans. I, I did want to ask you, um, Sajar Eubanks and Lauren Murphy. I mean, Sajar Eubanks, such an interesting character. Uh, because, you know, I, I I was clear, I mean, I'm very high on her abilities, you know, watching her on the show, um, I was very impressed with what she was able to do on The Ultimate Fighter, but then, man, when you don't make weight for a world title fight, uh, you know, that is... Yeah, that's tough. I mean, that's something that's going to stick with you for a long time. Um, but, but seeing her back in it, you know, I saw your interview with her, but, uh, you know, just kind of want to see kind of what you felt about her her energy, her attitude. I mean, she basically kind of made it seem like, hey, you know, listen, uh, you know, it, it's not great, but, you know, I had a dry run, and I, and I got some experience, and, and now I'm going to be even better. But I don't know, did you believe her? Did you feel like, are you excited still about watching her fight, or are you kind of sour on her after what happened, uh, you know, in December?
3: No, I mean I definitely not saw on what happened. I mean, if anything, I mean she only she only affected herself. I still think she's a great fighter and, and it, you know, certainly didn't make me butt sore with the fact that she kind of ruined her own opportunity. Mm. Um but no, I did believe because I mean uh she came in today and she looked good. Uh um I mean nobody really looks good on Wayne Day, but she she looked <laughs> decent. Um I mean, so she corrected what had went wrong there. Um, I thought she looked better than Lauren Murphy. I thought she looked more uh, energetic and probably could have lost a little bit more. Lauren looked drawn you know, out. Like, she
0: looked really drawn out. Laura
3: looked super drawn out, and Sarge is strong. She's super tough, man, and she's got such a good jujitsu game. And she's been so focused on working on her hands and working on the other elements while still working on her jujitsu. I think we're going to see an even better and more focused. Sajara and this one, and I think I think Sajara is just going to work. Or, I mean, Lauren is super tough. Um, she's got good hands. I think she can make something happen. But if she's not fully there because this was a really, really tough wake-up, that's putting yourself in a bad position against someone like Sarge that is coming in and uh, is is on another what seems like if you take her on her word, she's on another level right now. She's she's corrected the mistakes she's made in the past. She feels good. She feels confident. She feels she actually has a strong team behind her. So I mean, she's ready to come in and, and have her moment that got taken away from. I think she's worked hard to uh, to overcome that mistake, and I think she really wants to relish that time in the in the spotlight. So I, I see her coming in focused. I see her coming in and, and uh, doing what she needs to do to dominate. Really.
0: That's a big fight in the flyweight division. I mean, it's still, we know, obviously, the Valentina Shevchenko is going to be next in line, but there's, there's you know, when you're, when you're first filling out the division, man, those early wins are important because you can kind of get yourself placed up there high. And, you know, Sajar said it. You know, I, you know, I don't know if she can get it in two fights, but I, she's not too far off. I mean, there's not a ton of people in there yet. Um, she could get back to a title fight pretty quick
3: yeah not a ton of people she actually i mean this is her official debut and she's the number two ranked
0: (laughs) (laughs) that should tell you that should tell you a little something that should
3: tell you about the yeah the 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 depth of the division you know when you're having your debut and you're you're still number two in the division um but that just goes to say i mean people i mean people recognize she is she is super super tough so um yeah i mean I, I i can see her and uh Valentina fighting uh very soon <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Bilal muhammad uh training during ramadan he's gotten a lot of uh you know respect and appreciation for doing that uh fighting the newcomer here but wanting to stay busy and wanting to do it during ramadan did, I, I know you were supposed to talk to Bilal. i didn't get a chance did you end up getting to speak to him
3: no no we didn't because but when they moved everything around uh what I didn't realize is that they were trying to sandwich the video, the interviews before the uh, the other ones, and not after. Because I assumed that we would have been able to try to pick them up on the end. And then when we got there, they were like, "Oh, you have to try to get them in now." And then so we weren't able to make it happen. So. Got it. Yeah, no, you missed so, a couple interviews. You right? got to get on. so you, you, yeah, you because your uh, your, uh, Nick.
0: your flight's coming in. You. Uh... It uh, was brutal. What was wrong with your What was wrong with your plane? You had to, uh, you had to go back and land in Chicago.
3: Yeah, there was a uh, halfway from Chicago to uh, Syracuse. The pilot comes over the radio uh, and he's like, I'm "Sorry, folks, um, we're getting some uh, vibrations out of the engine that are, are a little higher than what we're comfortable with. Oh, uh, a little bit outside of the normal range. So we got to go back to." Uh, uh Chicago and he said a couple other things. So like as we're going back, every time we hit like turbulence, I'm thinking like, is this turbulence or is this the vibrations? Because you'd feel like you'd feel these like micro vibrations. And then you would hear him start to like bring the engine down, like slow it down a little bit. And I'm thinking like, oh, he's down and down to try to fight the vibration. I'm like We are literally going to go down. So I'm like texting, (laughs) drafting my goodbye text, getting everything set so that if I need to, I'm like, I'm ready to go. But I'm like, this sucks. If I'm going to die on the way to fucking Utica, (laughs) fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) So luckily we made it back and we got on the exact same type of plane that we got on, um, uh, got to sit in the same seats and everything it was literally just like a plane that was there so we had to wait for a crew and then uh and then we were able to do it but oh it was uh it was frustrating but it was like deja vu walking back through the exact same style plane, the same model number and everything you just felt like oh this is another it's another problem waiting to happen you know you're like Jeez. please let's just get there Let's just get there. So, yeah, unfortunately, I, I arrived in uh, Utica about four hours later than I was supposed to. So we kind of missed our interview window. So, yeah, we we're hoping to get Bilal. Um But, yeah, I think that's going to be a good one as well. Um, you know, I thought that I had been practicing how to say, like, uh, Ramadan Mubarak, which is supposed to mean like, blessed uh, Ramadan, happy Ramadan, like, have a good Ramadan. I had listened to all the YouTube videos to try to pronounce it. I was going to try to be all smooth and like give him a blessed Ramadan, but then it didn't happen. So, Oh, well, thought I probably counts. wasn't pronouncing it right anyways. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so his opponent is tall, man. That chance is, uh, he's a tall dude. But yes. Not, he is, uh, he's getting up a lot of size difference in that fight. So, um, but Bilal's super tough, but, um,
0: I'm telling you, good, good fights up and down. Desmond Green versus Gleason T. rounds it out. Uh, and then the fight that's past prelims one. Jessica Aguilar, Jody Escabel, Johnny Eduardo versus Nathaniel Wood. Nathaniel Wood, uh, another great prospect as well. And then a fight that's getting. No love whatsoever, but is a badass fight. Jared Brooks versus Jose Shorty Torres. I know you didn't know a whole lot about uh, about Jose Torres before you got there, but you, you studied up on him. And uh, uh, man, I gotta ask: are you, are you as impressed by Jose as I am? Because uh, this kid, to me, man, uh, both his fighting style and just you know his 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 character and and who he's man, this guy seems to have it all. Yeah, with his
3: his character, really won me over. I mean, he. He does not speak like a, uh, a young kid just making his debut, you know, in an organization. I mean, like, he's he's got his head on his shoulder. You can tell he has had a lot of experience in front of the camera. He's had a lot of experience at uh, big stages. You know, like, he's not going to get... Uh, I don't foresee him going and getting the butterflies and getting the nerves from, you know, trying to go in there and, uh, uh, you know being a big event for the first time, you know, I mean, and the fact that, you know, he he had the Titan flyweight belt, he had the Titan bantamweight belt. You know, I talked about this earlier. I think he's a little bit undersized to try to go to the bantamweight division, I think, in the UFC's caliber of bantamweights. But I think if he, I think flyweight is a perfect one. So if that cuts, not a problem for him Um, with his pedigree and with the way he carries himself, if he gets the wins and he keeps winning, um, this kid is certainly has everything in line to become a uh, a very well known name in the UFC for sure. I
0: agree. He's getting a stiff would- first test in Jared Brooks. That's for sure. Uh, no, yeah, no, 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 no gimme cat. in your debut on short notice. But uh, all right. Well, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna play that interview with with Jose Shorty Torres. I don't I don't want to uh, to keep you too long from the the bustling scene there in Utica. I'm sure that. You know that your presence uh, so is required.
3: Hopping. <laughs> so often. Uh, anything? So hopping.
0: Anything else happened so in your uh, in your in your adventures in Utica so far?
3: No, uh, nothing crazy. I feel like there was something I was gonna say about this car, but I, I kind of forgot about it. But um, no, I mean it's it's been it's been fun. And, and again, this is one of those ones that uh, I think if it sets itself up like what tends to happen on these kind of cars is we go in thinking that we know we're going to get some decent fights, but it's always underneath the radar. And we get one of these shows that just blows people away. I think there's a lot of key fights on this that I think we could have another one of those nights. I hope, I hope because if I'm sitting in the back all by myself, practically, and it's (laughs) a bunch of boring fights, I'm going to strangle myself. (sighs) Um, so I'm hoping that it's going to be, I hope it's going to be good because there's some, I think there's some real exciting fights, um, I'm interested to see uh, Jake. That was another one that uh, I thought was interesting yep. earlier. I didn't realize that Jake switched it up and went and was working with Prillo for the first time for this camp um, and a lot of other things. So I'm interested to see if, if we're going to see a uh, new and improved Jake um, or if we're going to be seeing, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't want to say the end of Jake, but it's like I think this is one of those fights that he really needs to win to kind of make sure that he still got
0: it. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think there's a hey, – listen, nobody – you know, and he's still a relatively young guy. Nobody wants to be out there retiring people. But, yeah, he's had a share of, of, of losses, and some of them come by knockout. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not good. So um, I do think this is a kind of a crossroads fight. I mean, Jake is kind of in that stage of his career. You know what I mean? So uh, it's yeah. good to hear that he's changing it up a little bit
3: yeah and he did say he was still having fun so that's the best part about it he, and you know i asked him i was like is is mma is fighting still fun and he said it was and he said i think he he reinvigorated himself so that's good because i think there were some points where we weren't really seeing him where i think a lot of people questioned whether he was still having fun doing this and if he still wanted to so for him to come out and say that that makes me excited about that fight and ben saunders always brings it so i think that one's gonna yeah. be a lot of fun but um no, I'm I'm excited. I th- I'm hoping this. Uh, I'm hoping I'm not a praying man, but I'm hoping and praying that this card um, really shows up. You know, and and hopefully a lot of people will be like, man, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have disregarded that fight and watched it. So um, we'll see, we'll see. I, I'm I'm hopeful that it's that it's good, and uh, you know, and uh, I'll enjoy my last bits of time here in Utica. Like the
0: wild man that I am. <laughs> I'm sorry that uh, you'll have to be with me in Chicago <laughs> next week. I know that'll be a big step down after your, uh, you know, adventures in Utica. After Utica. Yeah, I know Chicago <laughs> probably won't uh, probably won't line up, but uh, you know, Chicago ain't
3: got nothing on this place. We ain't got nothing on this place. Work calls, and <laughs> we
0: just have to go where they schedule the events, man. So we'll, you know, apologies for that. But- that's
3: right. So right, well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me give me a ring here. Yep. Let me be part of the uh, the old road show.
0: Go go back and uh, go back and get you know get to the VIP parties and uh, here is <laughs> here is Jose Shorty Torres.
2: Going to your nickname. Your nickname is Shorty, but looking on paper, your opponent is actually listed as five foot three, and you are five foot four. So you get to go in there and be in the big man for this fight.
4: This is the first time I'm ever going to have height advantage you know for me i've always been fighting guys who are five nine five seven when i did muay thai back in the day six feet tall six three you know so it's been like oh man i fought multiple different weight classes i was getting ready for 145 and my opponent actually at 45 fought just like jared brooks you know but now it's at 125 and jared's a natural straw weight so it's one of those things i'm like huh i'm a big man for once this is this is a little different
2: (laughs) so being the shorter guy going in and usually fighting guys that are bigger when you first uh, looking at an opponent, I mean, are you always first thinking of, all right, how am I going to get inside? How am I going to work past maybe a reach difference? What sort of things do you first when you look at an opponent? What are the, some of the first things that cross your mind?
4: I mean, those are definitely the things of how am I going to be able to get in the, uh, inside? Is my pressure game going to work good against them or well against them? You know, what am I going to have to do to be able to implement my game? Um, You know, Jared Brooks is a guy who moves around a lot, who likes to, you know, really just shoot for his takedowns. I believe his stats are like one significant strike around. He's not much of a stand-up fighter, not much of a ground fighter. He just wants to hold you down, take you down, and just win the fight that way. Me, I want an exciting fight. I want to stand and bang. I want to keep on throwing, and I want to keep on doing as much as possible, not to just get the, the win, but to make the fans happy and make the flyweight division an exciting division.
2: And I think that was one of the quotes that I saw on the UFC site. You said you're, you're here to put on a performance, not a wrestling match, and that because of my fighting style, you expect your, you expect the best, Jared Brooks. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you describe your fighting style?
4: Well, I'm a, I'm a pressure counter fighter. You know, I'm a, I'm a boxer judo guy, but I have some Muay Thai in between. I like to push forward no matter where the where the fight's going. I've been dropped, broken hand, torn MCL in fights. And I've still pushed forward no matter what. You know, punching with the broken hand, kicking with the torn MCL leg. Uh, doing so much, taking so many shots, cuts, bruises, stitches, all that stuff. And I mean, anything. And I just keep on moving forward. Jared's the type of guy, I know he's fast, I know he's strong, and he has his wrestling. But I, I can tell he has fast hands. I can tell he has some stand-up game in him. It's, he just needs someone to really push it out of him and I think I can do that. Once I'm able to stuff his takedowns and he has no choice but to stand with me, I think that's going to be an exciting fight.
2: Now you coming in undefeated haven't, you know, I think you're 25 and 1 so you've lost at the amateur level but, you know, lost as a professional isn't something that you've had to deal with but for you, is it about keeping that undefeated or would you rather go out there put on a good, you know, a good performance, you know, maybe go out on your shield or is it about keeping this this undefeated thing going?
4: Uh, you know, for me, I lost my very first one, and now I'm um, 32 straight, which is awesome. I never meant for that to happen. I never meant for me to be a champion. I just wanted to keep on fighting and enjoy the sport. Uh, it's one of those things that I'd rather go out on my shield. I'm, I'm a Justin Gagey type of fighter. You know, as long as the fans are happy, I'm more than happy. You know, And it's one of those things that if they want to see me fight again, I'm technically doing my job as an entertainer perfectly. You know so i want to go in there put on a show challenge my skills against some of the best and again if it didn't matter if it was jared brooks for a last minute call tim elliott ryan Benoit, sergio pedis the top guy dj so i'm ready to just face whomever and just have a good time doing it
2: and I, I you're one of these guys that you know you started training at such an early age now here you are 25 you've been training since you're four years old mm-hmm. 21 years of age you're part of this breed now that has grown up mm-hmm. in mixed martial arts and martial arts how has the, the the sport, from when you, I'm sure you watched it as a kid, have you seen it evolve to what it is now and the type of level of the fighters that are entering the UFC at this day and age?
4: Well, I can tell you definitely saved my life. If it wasn't for martial arts, I wouldn't be where I'm at today, but uh, just because of the upbringing and style of, of, of parenting I had and, and things that were in my neighborhood, but you know, you look at some of these fighters today, I mean, back in the day when the UFC first started, it was literally style versus style. Now it's mixed martial arts. Where you have guys who, it's a beat, who can do literally everything. You know, you got guys who are flashy fighters. You got guys who are flashy fighters on the ground. You got guys who can do everything from head to toe. And it's, it's still things I'm still learning today where you're like, man, this is awesome. You guys are, and I've been doing this all before. I haven't learned this yet. You know, so there's always so much to learn in mixed martial arts. And there's guys that come out of woodworks that are not known. But come out of nowhere with no record and just demolish some of the top dogs. And that's the best thing about the sport anything can happen. And there's so many different styles that are kryptonized to others. So I'm just excited to see how the, the sport keeps on expanding and developing.
2: And, and if you don't mind me prying too much, when you said it kind of saved your life, you know, what did you mean? Was it just maybe you got into a lot of trouble or what sort of um, thing when you say it, it saved your life?
4: You know, for me, I, in my neighborhood of Chicago, I always say uh, it's a typical Latino upbringing, you know, where there's guys who have parents in gangs, drugs, all that stuff. So for me, I was slowly kind of getting into that. My schools weren't the best when it came to that as well. Kids are always carrying weapons or, you know, have drugs on them as well. You know, that was a way to make money. That was a way to uh, make yourself known. But, you know, slowly, because of martial arts, it, it kind of got me, you know, a sense of responsibility. And if it wasn't for, for Master Bob Shermer and my gym combat do, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have gone to college. You know, and I wouldn't have had that sense of responsibility to go to college, finish school, and that's actually why I had 25 amateur fights, because he said, if I didn't finish school, I'm not turning pro, and that was the number one rule. So I finished school, I graduated, I actually won nationals and graduated the same day, and I won Worlds the second year, and I got my pro contract for Titan FC, and you know, ever since then, 7-0, two world championships, five title defenses, You know, it's been, it's been a huge, huge thing. It's awesome. What'd you go to school for? Uh, I went to school for Trenton College, I got my uh, associate's in science, and then I went to McKendree University and got my bachelor's in leadership in sports and exercise science.
2: Was it one of those things that you did because you wanted to make sure, just cover your bases for after fighting or is that something that you, I mean is fighting obviously right now is what your goal and your focus is, I mean was there plans of being something else at one day or? Yeah,
4: I've, I've always wanted to be a coach, I've always wanted to be like a big brother figure to to a lot of people. Um, so originally I wanted to be a gym teacher just to help out as much as possible, kind of get that same upbringing where the gym teachers and, and the coaches were you know, my lifesavers in a sense. Um, they, they, they steered me in the right direction. But for me, if MMA didn't work out well, I always thought of I've seeing some phenomenal fighters who are literally probably some of the best in the world get injured or you know, outside circumstances come into play and they just can't fight anymore. So for me, I always had a backup plan just in case, worst comes to worst, I have my degree, I can read, I can write, I can do all these specific things just in case that things just don't work out as planned.
2: And and I'm noticing the theme, even going back to when you were four and you said you wanted to be a hero like Goku or some of the Power Rangers. You definitely, I I get the the sense that giving back to community and and helping others better themselves is something that you're, uh, you know trying to do with yourself
4: yeah and I mean my gym's been around for 20 plus years and yeah you know, I run my own website my own merchandise and anyone who supports me 20% of all my earnings goes to the kids in my gym you know I'm not trying to do this to be a millionaire I'm not trying to do this to, to make a huge living yeah it helps me in my training camps but it also helps the kids you know get to travel train and get different experiences you know I wasn't able to go to you know wrestling camps or some tournaments because I just didn't have the money you know so for these kids it's nice to be able to say I can give back with the little money that I do have mainly because of my merchandise that I'm able to sell and people so it's it's a huge thing that i'm always you know i've been i took care of two kids specifically after wrestling program and now they're 18 years old and i took care of them since they were 11 you know so i've been kind of like a big brother figure a father figure to a lot of people and it's you know it's it's a cool it's a cool way of living for me you know and it, it's it makes me very very happy to know that i'm, I'm helping changing people's lives hopefully
2: <laughs> yeah and we've seen guys recently um like brian ortega really has the ortega foundation is really using this platform to kind of Propel his his own interests and his own philanthropism. Yeah. So, are you looking forward to be able to take this UFC platform and use it to help people even more?
4: And that's something I've always wanted to do. Was I? You know, I've talked to so many different promotions when I was trying to get signed, and finally the UFC was able to sign me, and I go that's all i need is a platform you guys only do anything else for me just let me get on the pedestal and i'll talk the rest of the way up there for me you know i know i can do it uh skill wise i know i'm i'm, I'm a great fighter i've done so many things at only 7-0 and again conor mcgregor was 14 and 2 at cage warriors when he won two belts i was 5-0 and and defended one in the process you know so i'm doing things in record time and you know i'm not planning on stopping anytime soon i was planning on going for a third belt but this last minute fight came in and i couldn't couldn't say no you know so for me it's It's one of those things that I'm just trying to do as much as possible in my possibly decently long career. You know, we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, this UFC can be a huge pedestal for me to help a lot of people in my neighborhood and just around the world as well.
2: I think that's great. At Titan, you were a champ at flyweight and at bantamweight. This fight's at flyweight. Is the goal at some point to maybe switch between the two different divisions, or is flyweight where your heart is right now?
4: Um, you know, flyweight. I'm definitely a flyweight fighter. Um, given in a proper training camp, I'm definitely a flyweight fighter. Uh, I was called, I believe, in a nine ten day notice. So cutting the weight, getting ready for a featherweight fight was you know a little hard. And you know, I got to cut weight today. Everything's gonna be good, and then make weight tomorrow, and you know, be able to have a, a phenomenal performance. But You know, for me, flyweight is a division that I believe needs me the most. You know, bantamweight is a great division. I feel better. I I know I'm strong. But, you know, some of these guys i have trained with TJ Dillashaw. I've trained with some of the best in there. And I'm just like, okay, maybe, yeah. No, I'm a flyweight. You guys are pretty strong. So for me, I want to do all the things I can do at flyweight. But if the UFC needs me as a last-minute replacement for a bantamweight fight, I'm more than happy to do a Donald Cerrone put on a show and, and give the fans what they want.
2: And what's it mean for you to to now finally be making this UFC debut? I mean, what does this mean for you personally and just all the work, hard work and dedication that you've taken to get to this point? What does this mean for you?
4: Uh, you know, I'm not there yet. You know, for me, it's it's just another fight. You know, now I'm just on a different stage, a different pedestal. Um, I, I don't I don't believe in the fans. I don't believe in the hype. I don't believe in anything. I just go in there, fight, have fun, and enjoy myself. It just so happens that, again, I'm in the UFC. i have on a 32-fight win streak, two-belt champion, so many title defenses and so on. So... I'm just, you know, making a living, having some fun doing it, and giving the fans what they want. It just so happens I'm in the UFC and and putting on a hopefully a great performance, you know, Friday night.
2: And you've kind of already started doing it, but if you could. Break down Jared Brooks for me. Where is he dangerous? What are the things you really need to pay attention for?
4: So the big thing for him is that he's, he does circle very well, and by the time you know you circle and some guys push forward and want to strike, he's ready to time your strikes and go for the takedown, and he's a beautiful double leg, beautiful single legs off the wall. He just likes to hold you down. That's the only problem with Jared is he holds you down so strong that he tires himself out eventually, even when you're not doing anything, even when he's in a dominant position that's fine with me I'm a guy who's used to five five-minute rounds even with broken limbs and and broken hands and so on I want to be able to push forward no matter what you know if it's a wrestling match so be it I'm an all-american college wrestler he's a you know state champion in Indiana I believe my accolades you know coincide with his pretty well for me I know I can handle his wrestling even If he does take me down can he hold me down he didn't hold down Eric Shelton in the Brazilian and they for sure both weren't wrestlers you know so I want to see what he's gonna do against an actual wrestler and what he's gonna do when he can't take a person down
2: and I know you brought up, you know, you've been the Pan American Games. You know, you've been the kickboxing champ at different levels. So for a lot of guys going in, I think for the debut, when they walk on that crowd, they're they're kind of taken by the scene. Mm-hmm. But you, even though you are probably one of the most exciting prospects that's come into the sport, this isn't. You're not a rookie by any means. You're used to bigger stages. Mm-hmm. So you know, are you expecting to go in there and not have the typical nerves and butterflies that most people do on their very first fight?
4: Uh, you know, I, I don't think about it too much. I know a lot of my coaches like, once that once you get in that tunnel, it's going to hit you. I'm like, ah, we'll see. You know, right now, I'm more just wait, waiting to make weight. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not I'm not worried about the tunnel. I'm not worried about the lights, mainly being the first fight. You know, there's not, the arena's not as packed yet, so I know that's definitely going to be a, a little lifesaver for me. But, um, I guess the only thing I'm worried about is that it's a bigger cage. You know, I'm just like, man, I like to, you know, keep it compact and small. and like to fight in, you know, small little facilities where I can implement my game. Jared Brooks now has a big cage to run around, and you know, it's more energy to try to cut him off the, you know, cut off the cage and do, you know, so much more. So, for me, I mean, it's just another fight, another day, different cage, a different arena, and for a different promotion.
2: I know you say it's just another fight, but I'm sure this fight is already played out in your head because I can Mm -hmm. tell you're very analytical. How does this fight go down? How do you see it happening?
4: I see a second-round TKO. You know, He's a guy who does gas out about halfway second round, but he keeps the pace in all of his fights. He's never had the pace push on him. I'm the one that dictates the pace in every single one of my fights, no matter where the fight's going on the ground and the stand-up. Mainly with the new rules, if you're going to hold me down and do nothing... I'm definitely going to win the fight. You know, I'm going to do something off the ground. I'm going to punch you. I'm going to elbow you. I'm going to try to throw some missions and try to do everything possible, either to stand this up or just still win the fight if I can't stand up. So for me, I'm not worried about this fight. He's going to gas down the second round, and I'm going to knock him out then.
0: Shorty Torres weighing in there. That was the the cold coffee interview special. The man's starting to turn into a little bit of a reporter. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Uh, he will have everything covered from out there. Of course, man, if you're listening to this on a Friday, hey, the fights are tonight. You know, kind of kind of wild with these uh, Friday night fights. We'll get to it right away. If you're if you're listening to it after the fights, well, hopefully everything went well. <laughs> kind of weird with the Friday nights to get the quick turnaround. So uh yeah and after a sunday fight nonetheless it's man just a super quick turnaround uh kind of a weird scheduling choice not gonna lie we'll see how things change moving forward uh what else is going on out there it, uh, did you see the face-offs and you uh, mick maynard love mick maynard uh great dude he is so fast on the face-offs man he gets people in and out i think he's trying to protect uh protect much for happening. although as we said Tamer had, had no problem running over there and just getting in, uh, in Ars' face. So Anyway, going to be some, some fun fights. I uh, did want to touch real quick, Michael Bisping's retirement. Of course, that was announced earlier this week. We had told you for a while that was probably coming, uh, even though he had mentioned maybe he'll fight, maybe he'll fight. A lot of people around him were saying don't, don't, don't. And it sounds like um, I think the right decision was made. I mean, Michael Bisping's, you know, the, the, the one eye has not been good for, for a long time. And to find out that he was had, having some trouble with the good eye as well—that uh, is scary, man. You do not want to lose your sight, and uh, there's nothing worth it. You know, a couple extra bucks will be good, but but he can keep working right now, and, and he's got things going on, and he can make extra money. So gonna miss Michael Bisping, man. Surefire UFC Hall of Famer. Um, you know, they've already got everything planned for this year, so I don't think they'll put him in this year, but I think they'll put him in next year. Maybe they'll—I mean, maybe they'll make a surprise exception and do it. Um, I mean. <sighs> And Evans does a lot with the Hall of Fame, uh, and, and he's you know uh, seen Michael Bisping's career from up close. So I don't know. Maybe they'll they'll push. I mean, Michael Bisping's certainly deserve, deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. Doing it this year maybe would be the right thing to do. I don't think it hurts anything waiting until next year. But maybe it just doesn't seem as immediate. They've got a pretty full um, cast already. There's one more announcement to make. You know wh- whether they'll add him in, in time. I-, I don't know. Uh, it it was—he'd certainly be deserving. It's funny because I, you know I thought Michael Bisping was a deserving Hall of Famer even before he won the title. I really did, and I knew it would be an argument, but man, you just think about what he's meant for the company and and what he's meant for the growth of the sport in, in his native market over there in the UK. Uh, the sport as a whole, man, the guy had a way of making you care about fights. You know, a fight would get announced with Michael Bisping, and and you go, okay, well, whatever. Um, and then he just had a way to make you care. He had a way to make you invested. Um and you know it was trash talk, but I don't know. Like at a at a, at a better level, I think than sometimes what we're getting now. Some of the stuff now is uh, you know a little a little over the top, I guess, a little too much. Although he he did uh, he, he did tell Vitor Belfort, uh, you know there is no Jesus, right? Jesus isn't real. Yeah, that was <laughs> got to be up close for that one. I believe that was in Sao Paulo, uh, a yeah, open workout face off. Um, and, and he got in his face. That one always stuck out to me. But, uh, man, you know, crazy. Uh, the guy was always such a, a, a fun guy to cover, um, you know, in China. I mean, now it turns out, yeah, I was I was one of the few media that was at his last fight, you know, got to interview him that week. And, um, yeah, you know, that was a, a sad result that happened there with Kevin Gassam over in Shanghai. But it was funny because, you know, I had been told, hey, listen, um, you know, this is such a quick turnaround. There's so much to do. Like, Mike is trying to keep – his uh his media uh commitments to a minimum so if we d- if we can't get him for you you know for a little one-on-one uh you know please be understanding and of course I was I mean coming off the loss uh, knowing what he was dealing with um I I would I would have understood if Mike didn't want to talk to anybody uh, but uh he he came in and they told him you know hey here's the request and he said absolutely listen down and do it and uh gave a great interview man it's it's uh it was fun so i mean that that was one of his last i guess um, you know, I, I guess that was one of his last fight week interviews uh, ever. So, you know, to be there um, w- was quite an honor. It was a damn shame the way the fight went down. Uh, I know everybody was kind of uh, kind of bummed after that because, Mike, I think everybody, now, now that he has a podcast and now that he's been on TV so much, I think everybody sees it, right? I mean, the guy – that you see um, throughout his career that seems like just such an asshole. Like, that's not who he is. Uh, You know, maybe he's a little cranky around weight cuts and that sort of thing, but, uh, man, he's as good as they come. So uh, hats off to Michael Bisping. I'm glad he made this decision. Um, It would have been cool for him to have one more, but, uh, you know, there's no sense in going out there and risking it. So Listen, I want to share one other thing real quick, too. And, uh, you know, I did a quick little interview last week with Dana White. Just a couple minutes. Uh, it had to be brief. I was told to keep it brief. And, of course, you know, I was just back there uh, behind the scenes where they were trying to get things done quickly. So I understood. Uh, but I did ask him about the ESPN deal. And he dropped a number in there. I don't know if anybody picked up on it. And, and I, I should go double-check it myself. But I think the number he said was $112 million. Um, Which I believe is the average pay of the Fox deal. You know, everybody's been citing this 160 number, which was the last year, but don't forget this was escalated all the way through. Um, So it did not pay 160 a year, it paid 160 in the final year. Um, I think the number he said was 112. Um, So to go from 112 to 300. Uh, again, I, I I know there's much debate. And there'll continue to be much debate. You know, is 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 this deal a win? Is this deal a home run? Was it good? Was it bad? Did the USC have to settle? But um, I, I don't know. I I just I, I thought I'd point that out. You know that. Everybody's been like, well, they basically doubled it. Well, I know they, they, they damn near tripled it, if you want to go that far, uh, from what the average payout was. So just, you know, when you're having the, the, the discussions over whether or not you think it was a win, whether or not you think it was a loss, um, I just thought that number stood out real quick. So uh, anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. One little one little factoid we didn't get to last week. So listen, uh, Cole Coffee and I talked a lot about the card. I do think it's worth your time on Friday. Hey, maybe it's not worth your time on Friday. Maybe record it and watch it Saturday morning. Um, while you're waiting for uh, the Golden Knights game, right? You know in Vegas we're still excited about the Golden Knights. We lost. It's 1-1. So we lost our home ice advantage, but but we're still excited about it. So, uh, yeah, maybe you record it and you watch on Saturday and you can skip all the commercials and uh, watch it. But I do think there's some really good fights on here. Uh, Next week, myself and Cole Coffee, as mentioned, will be out in Chicago. So we'll have full, 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 full coverage out there and we'll be back in the same place. So it's always a little more fun when we can get together, do this, and – who knows, maybe we'll uh, sneak a little guest on there or something. We'll see who's all around. And then, uh, yeah, then we'll start laying out June and July. I'm still waiting to hear back from the uh, the bean counters at USA Today on where they want us uh, in July. So we'll, we'll kind of let you know about all that. But somehow or another, you know the Roach always find something to do. Hopefully we, we find something to keep it interesting even when we don't get to be together. Oh, well. Still have frosty beverages. <laughs> All right, we'll keep it brief. Hope you enjoyed everything. Thanks for listening.
2: Yeah. <laughs>